on today's episode. Oh, Xander Bogarts, welcome to the San Diego Padres. I love you so very much. Whether this is the beginning of the Seth Lugo legend, Juan Soto in a little bit of a slump so far, whether we should be worried about it or not, uh, and an overall split series against the Rockies. We got a lot to talk about, guys, so let's get to it. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, April 3rd. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with my uh, Twitter account at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Go follow that before I lose my little blue badge of justice. Uh, and also check out at L-O underscore Padres if you maybe don't like my movie, uh, pop culture tweets that I do sometimes from there. All Padres stuff, live tweeting the games, doing a bunch of memes, doing all sorts of nonsense. And also check out Locked On Padres on YouTube if you want to see my face and the Tatis bobblehead, which you can find in the description of the pod if you want one for yourself. Uh... Yeah, go check that out, guys. Thank you for making, as always, Lockdown Padres your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. And on today's show, we are recapping, oh boy, we're recapping the conclusion of the first series of the 2023 San Diego Padres season against the Colorado Rockies, one that saw, similar to the Rocky Mountains, a lot of peaks and valleys, you know what I mean? You like that little analogy, little wordplay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, We're going to be talking about that, and there's... A lot of really cool stuff to take away from this series. Obviously nothing that's like season long, but there's certainly, you know, a decent amount of storylines to take from this. Um, I think that there's a lot of really fun stuff. And there was a, an announcement over the weekend. There was a big announcement that just kind of happened as I awoke from my slumber on Saturday morning that we're going to talk about very quickly. And that is Jake Cronenworth agreeing to a seven-year, uh, $80 million extension with the Padres. Uh, kind of a little bit out of nowhere news. I'm going to save my thoughts for that because I think it deserves its own episode that we're going to post tomorrow. So look forward to that, guys. But uh, crazy news, uh, crazy news. Unfortunately, he didn't have much of a great weekend series um, necessarily. He didn't do too much uh, really to distinguish himself. He's batting less than 100 on the season so far, but of course it's only four games. Uh, but it's just, you know, nothing so far for Mr. Cronenworth uh, really to be notable and bring up. But we're going to talk about that tomorrow, and especially, because I really think there's a lot of lot of angles and opinions that I have on that extension that has to do with a lot of stuff with the Pirates and not just him. But instead, let's start with the first game on this list. Let's actually not talk about the first first game. Obviously, we talked about Thursday's game already on Friday's episode. But I want to talk about yesterday's game since that was the most recent. Uh, That's what I usually do when I'm recapping a series. Talk about the most recent one in which the Padres won by a score of 3-1. to That's right. They they, uh, beat the Rockies, thankfully, this time, despite the fact that Mr. Ryan McMahon hit an absolute nuke in this one. Uh, it was a pretty good game for the Padres overall. You, it was it was very 2022 Padres-like. You know what I'm saying? Low-scoring game, but you had your couple hits that were in there. You played some decent defense, and then you got the win with some good bullpen work, especially from, um, um, what's his name, Luis Garcia, and then Josh Hader getting his first save of the year. Um, but the biggest thing, and I think if there was an overall biggest takeaway for me to start the season... Uh, I think it's pretty definitively, it's it's two things. It's two things, actually. I think so far from this series, uh, the two biggest things are Xander Bogarts being an absolute stud so far, something you absolutely love to see. It's a two-run home run in this game 
which is basically the majority of the Padres runs, obviously, since they only scored three. You also got a Trent Grisham solo homer, all of it occurring in the bottom third inning. And the game wasn't very long, which, by the way, oh, yes, I absolutely loved it. Had a couple friends DM me, including listener of the show, uh, that was basically like, hey, it's kind of cool that these games, when they're when they don't have too much action, well, the benefit is that they're probably going to be over pretty quickly, which is really nice. And you couldn't have you said that before. So um, that was really cool. But Bogart so far, look, I've talked about on this show that I didn't say he was going to be bad, but there was a little bit of a fear, you know, that first time fear that, hey, remember what happened with Lindor when he had his first year with the Mets? I know that they're different players, but you wonder about that. You wonder about his power numbers last year, only 15 home runs. You wonder whether or not the defense is going to translate because in a contract year is the first year he had good defense. You know, there's a lot of things there, but two no-doubter home runs as well as his first game uh, of the season in which the Padres unfortunately lost, of course. It was really unfortunate, but uh, that they lost. Then he had he ripped two doubles and got a single. So, so far, Bogarts has been uh, phenomenal, and I love that I love that he's come in and just did his stuff you know what I mean it's like you know when um when you're playing fantasy football and you love to see like your top players just do what you drafted them for that first week it just feels really good to be like okay like I yes I know if I have Christian McCaffrey I can't freak out if he has a bad game but you just like to be reinforced you know at least for one game one game of the year of fantasy football that's kind of where I'm at right now is Xander Bogarts um and even if he isn't hitting home runs he could still rip line drives and be a really effective player I think that the consistency is what overall through the, the whole course of his career as a batter is what makes me more bullish on him overall even though I am still a little bit nervous it's a little bit more nervous about the defense since that was a little bit out of nowhere in context of his career, but love to see it. Hits two no-doubter no bombs, uh, just excellent stuff. But the second takeaway from this weekend is Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, Puerto Rican power, by the way, never forget it. Don't you forget it! First start for the Padres, and basically his first career start, dare I say, as like this starting pitcher role, and he goes seven innings, only giving up one earned run, which was the Ryan McMahon home run that he allowed in. What inning was that? It was the top of the seventh inning. And yeah, that's the big thing. He went deep into this game. Seven innings, only four hits, one earned run. He didn't walk a single batter, and he struck out seven. I mean, wow. He was throwing first pitch strikes, and there's some things here. First of all, yes, it is the Rockies lineup, but hey, this Rockies lineup for some reason loves hitting against the Padres, so I still love to see it, you know what I mean? But And there's still some questions that I had. He did get a little bit lucky on just a couple of hits. Ryan McMahon had a 110.7 mile per hour hit off the bat. Uh, that ended up being a line out. It had an expected batting average of 710. Uh, he had another one as well, ground out, expected average of 440, which isn't as much. But uh, he also had a fly out uh, with an expected batting average of 940. Uh, CJ Crone did, I should say, not Ryan McMahon. Um, so there was a couple hits that he got a little bit lucky on, um, or at least a little bit more fortunate. But for the most part, I liked what I was seeing. I thought that he was throwing pretty hard, and I thought that he was throwing for a lot of first pitch strikes, uh, as many. Uh, people were pointing out, which was very good. The only thing that is interesting about this start, which why we got to look further, is that the velocity on his slider was down. Now, he didn't throw it a lot, only 13 times, which is a percentage of about 14% of his pitches in this game, but down by 4.9 miles per hour. Uh, so there was a decrease there. I did find it interesting that the spin rate overall on the slider was higher. So is it possible that this was an intentional type of tinkering thing? I don't know. Hey, it's the first start of the season. Guys can sometimes, you know, come into a start, maybe throw it a little bit harder, mix up the speeds a little bit. And it's not like Seth Lugo is known for having like a high speed type of thing. You know what I mean? That's not necessarily what he's known for. Um, but I did like that the spin rate was up. So don't get me 
wrong, really nice um, game for Seth Lugo, but we still want to see more. But hey, man, even 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 if it was against the Rockies, and even if he did have a couple hits that he got a little bit lucky on, it's still really cool, man. I mean, this is a guy that one of the big questions for the Padres is, wow, they're really relying on Martinez and Lugo to step up and be back-of-the-rotation starters, especially considering that they're more known as relievers. Uh, and I think that Lugo, what's going to be interesting is, his contract is a lot more... It's an interesting contract because it basically pays him as a reliever for this year, but it has an option out of this year, i.e. if he does really well as a starter, he's going to be like, all right, cool, I'm going to opt out of this and go get starting pitcher money, which is obviously better. And if it doesn't work, then he opts back in and he gets paid like a reliever. So it's kind of a little bit of a win for both sides, I think. So, so far, really excited about the Seth Lugo thing. But again, want to see a little bit more. But let me tell you, the Puerto Rican power, you absolutely love to see it. Um also in this game, I mentioned it, uh, Trent Grisham home run. He has started off really solid. Uh, 231 batting average on the season, but he has a bunch of ba- extra base hits. Let me see actually how many he has. He has three extra base hits, including two doubles. He also has two walks, two Ks in the four games so far. Look, all Grisham needs to be is solid. I'm talking a 108 WRC+. plus. That would be great. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's why Fangraphs in their Zips projections were expecting him to have you know, an overall, like, at least an extra win, like a three-type-of-win-war uh, player this year, because they they kind of projected he'll at least be an average batter. And I think that's totally fair. I really do. I, I think that that's fair, and considering that he has a decent amount of power, could absolutely happen. Um, I didn't like his squeeze-butt attempt. That was just weird, and it gave me nightmares and triggered my PTSD from the playoffs last year when, you know, two outs, or what was it? It was nobody out, or it was... It was one out, I think, and then someone had reached base. I don't remember who exactly. And our last two batters, Nola and Grisham, you get a, a, a squeeze bunt attempt from Grisham and then a first pitch fly out from Nola. And it's like, all right, that was fun, guys. Uh, so overall, though, it does feel like he's been more aggressive in counts and he's put the bat on the ball. He's really barreled the ball. So I like to see that. I saw way too many slow dribblers to the first base mound. He's been more aggressive. Love to see it. Hope he can keep it up. I'm not even looking for 20, like 20, 20, uh, or to the beginning of 2021 version of Grisham. Just average offense and then elite defense in the outfield with some power. That's a really high, highly valuable player for sure, especially when you have all these all-stars on this team. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking a lot, though, and we got to talk about some more games. But before we get into that, guys, let me talk to you about something that has to do with video games. Oh, yeah. You love the video games, don't you? Everybody, whoever follows me on Twitter, you know I'm a big video game guy. And I'm really big into the old Ultimate Baseball GM. Oh, yes. That's right. Pro pro Baseball GM, I should say, is the coolest game I have played in a decent amount of time. Let me tell you. I also checked out this demo for Sea of Stars. It's a pretty good game. looks like a good one, too, from coming out this summer. Uh, But I've always thought I could be a great Major League GM. No, I'm just kidding. I never thought I could be a great GM, but I at least watched Moneyball once. And that made me think... Hmm, it'd be pretty cool to be a GM. Well, Pro Baseball GM kind of does that for you, and that's what's really awesome about it. And if you ever fantasize about managing your own franchise, you got to go do it and download Pro Baseball GM immediately. It allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise from playing through seasons and finding the right coaches, managing team finances, scouting and drafting. You got to manage the difficult personalities and all these injuries that can arise, and you got to navigate through free agency. And man, oh man. 
Padres fans, you might want to see what does it feel like to be Preller in those moments when he signs the big star? Well, Pro Baseball Jam kind of helps you out with that. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've talked about it before that I really like the ballpark building aspect of it. Reminds me just a little bit. It's like a little kind of cherry on top. Reminds me of some other older like sim-like games that I've played before where I always just like the cosmetic stuff. That, I'm a sucker for that stuff, guys. I've said it before. You give me something that'll look kind of cool for my clubhouse, I'll do it. Ultimate Spider-Man on PlayStation 2? Oh, yeah. Did I finish every single challenge just to get the symbiote suit? Oh, yes, I did. And this game has got at least a slight variation of that, so that's why I play it. Uh, but it's really cool, guys. And Lockdown Padres listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store to make sure to check it out. To make sure to check out. Go make sure to check it out, guys. To download the game, remember, just visit probaseballgm.com. So you can scan the code, look it up in app stores or Google Play or whatever. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Let me tell you, you got to start your dynasty today, man. What are you doing? Get after it, guys. And of course, just friendly reminder of, of course, again, uh, this is the Locked On Padres podcast. And you can check it out where all you, you get your uh, platform. It's your first listen every day, hopefully. Let's move on, and let's talk about another W that the Padres had. Again, they split the series, and I didn't get to talk about Friday's game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but let's keep the good vibes going before we get into the bad ones. On Saturday, we got another Padre making their starting debut, and that was Mr. Michael Waka. Six innings in this one, giving up four earned runs on six hits, three walks, and two Ks across 83 pitches. That doesn't sound very good, and in fairness, it wasn't great. But I'm not expecting it necessarily all that incredible stuff from Waka. A lot of the stuff about his start, um, about not his start, about his season last year with the Red Sox did seem like it got a little bit inflated and that, you know, he, or deflated, I should say, that he got a little bit lucky on some ground ball stuff. But I thought that he looked okay. Look, he's not going to be a guy that goes out there and generates 28 whiffs or anything like that, right? But he was okay. You know what I mean? He did his job. In this game, he still got 10 whiffs and six on his changeup, especially, which is one thing that you should look for with Mr. Michael Waka. For the most part, nothing crazy, although I will say, just in his first start, some things were down. Velocity on basically all of his pitches was down, changeup down by three miles per hour on an average, uh, 1.9 miles per hour on his four seam fastball, 2.3 on the cutter, curveball 1.1, and sinker. 1.5, although granted he didn't throw those last two pitches all that much, is worth pointing out. It's also worth pointing out that the spin rates went down a little bit on his four-seam fastball and curveball and sinker. So could this be foreboding? Could this be an omen? Maybe, but I'm not ready to super buy into it. And even if it is, look, Waka's just here to kind of throw some innings and give a little bit more of a, a stability to this rotation. That kind of needs it, considering that they're really hoping that Martinez and Lugo, which granted, Lugo looks great. But it is something to pull out that's like, all right, well, at least we got a guy in here that has had experience in throwing innings. I don't think he's going to be that great. I said this before. It just feels like for years I have known this guy as the young talent on the Cardinals, and he's never really come through on that talent. So that's basically where we're at with him. Um, but it didn't matter in this game because they absolutely torched Mr. Jose Urania, which I love to see because Jose Urania, I remember famously just threw at Ronald Acuna that one game a while ago. Oh, man. For, like, no reason. It was completely ridiculous. It was, like, first pitch of the game. It was crazy. Uh, and they absolutely torched him. He gave up four earned runs and two and a thirds. Um, in this game, the RBIs belong to Mr. Xander Bogart. He hit his first home run for the Padres. And the first home run uh, on the Padres team in the bottom of the first inning. You also got a Matt Carpenter double, which you love to see. Luis Campizano hit a sacrifice fly. And he also had a single in this game. 
Manny Machado had a single, and Juan Soto had a little dribbler up the middle in this game that ended up being an RBI. Uh, I want to see if I could find the the exit velo on that because he got a little bit lucky on that one. Let me tell you, uh, Mister. Let's see here if I could find uh, Juan Soto's RBI there. Come on, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, it was it wasn't was that bad actually. One on one point five miles per hour wasn't hit. It was hit, was hit decently hard, but expect a batting average of 260. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it kind of snuck through the middle there. And he hasn't looked great so far. And I think that's what the, the big takeaway in terms of bad stuff for me would be this weekend is a really rough first series for Juan Soto, both on the defensive side and the offensive side. He, and someone pointed this out on Twitter, he's got a little bit more of a leg kick. Um, he looks like he's pressing. He swung out a couple pitches outside the zone, especially on Sunday's game. That is incredibly uncommon for him, obviously. Um, I'm not worried because all the stats and everything that we've seen from him portends of being an all-star caliber player at the minimum. Um, but it is worth bringing up. Hey, guys, he was a little bit shaky when he got to the Padres last year almost immediately. And you couple that with the defense, this guy isn't immortal. He's not insurmountable. He isn't inevitable, right? He's got some weaknesses in his, his, weaknesses in his game. So don't be surprised if they you know, flare up at some point. And also... At the end of spring training, you know, following the end of the World Baseball Classic, I don't know if this that was a result of the World Baseball Classic, but he was dealing with a little bit of an injury that they chose to kind of hold him out from the end of spring training, obviously, because he's super important, right? Um, maybe that's playing a little bit of a, a role in his uh, slow start so far. It could be. And again, it's, it's okay. They still split this series, but it is worth pointing out. And I think it's interesting that everybody's now, like, immediately being like, I mean, hmm. Should we extend him? I don't know. He he looks like he's just a ground ball machine. Uh, well, in terms of the ground ball thing, I will say his ground ball percentage actually went down last year, and it's too early right now. Yes, everything he's hit so far has been on the ground in four games, whatever. But his ground ball percentage actually wasn't bad last year. It was only it was actually lower than his previous seasons, which is kind of cool. So there's nothing crazy that really portends of Juan Soto being bad. But I will say the defense is what I'm worried about. He also made a mistake in Friday's game as well, kind of letting a ball just drop in there, and they end up losing. Um, but, yeah, I'm just not freaking out all that much. Same thing goes for Manny. Manny is just entirely like, he'll just get it going. The defense will be good or whatever. I have no no worries about him. He has earned it. And to be honest with you, maybe he's, maybe he's forcing it a little bit. There was a couple swings where I was like, it looks like you're trying to hit this out of the park. Maybe he's trying to justify that new contract. You see that happen every now and then with guys. So plot twist, the guy that actually was going to be a little bit weird after signing his contract wasn't Bogarts. It was Manny Machado. Oh, no. Uh, but no, it's just the again, first series of the weekend. And it's still fun having him out there. He looks excited to be there. It's it's good stuff. And uh, I really like seeing them also on uh, Friday's game, especially. You can see them... Uh, the players reacting to the San Diego State win. That was really fun. Um, or was it Saturday? Hold on. I can't remember. Was it Saturday or Friday? Was it Friday San Diego? I don't remember. I don't, I don't. Let me look that up real quick. I might as well. Um, but that was really fun, uh, seeing all the fans get excited about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we're expecting. I will say, Luis Campizano, he had a sacrifice fly that was hit, you know, moderately okay, right? It was actually... Um, his sacrifice fly was hit 99.6 miles per hour off the bat, which wasn't amazing. Uh, he did get a little tiny bit unlucky, expect a bad average of 560 on that ball, but he also hit a single that was ripped, an absolute ripped single, 107.6 miles per hour. Let me tell you, you never see Austin Nola putting up those exit velos, yet Nola got three starts as opposed to 
Luis Campizano's one. It is frustrating. It is very early, but don't get me wrong. Yes, I'm going to be saying let Campizano cook all season because this is annoying. I don't like that the guy who's supposed to be the future at this position hasn't been given consistent playing time. I just, I really don't like it. You know what I mean? He looked better at the plate. He looked patient, which I really liked. It's a small sample size, but I got to analyze it. Content business, baby. Um, But, like, I really did not like seeing that. I was really frustrated to see that, like, you take him out of the lineup. He gets a sack fly and a single and has a couple, you know what I mean? He looks fine catching for Waka for the most part. And then you take him out the next day for Nola, who doesn't really do all that much. So he get, he gets a single in the Sunday game, but it was like a bloop whatever single that he probably got a lot of Babbitt luck on. So it's, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating. I wish there was more consistency there. And hopefully going forward they do that because I do not know why Austin Nola, not an awful player, not an awful player. I actually really kind of like that he's like your catcher too in theory. But I don't know why he is the one that's blocking a guy that we've been talking about since before the pandemic began as being the future at this position. And it's not like all that much has changed in his AAA numbers. Dude still rakes. And as far as I'm concerned, I haven't really seen enough to say that he's an awful defensive catcher either. Maybe Noel's a tiny bit better, but it doesn't justify the fact that every time he goes out there, you put him in for a game and then you take him out the next day. I, I just don't get that. Give him two straight games. Give him three straight games. I don't know. Figure figure it out. Come on, guys. I trust I trust Bob Melvin in management, but even still, I just I don't get why he doesn't get more playing time. So we'll have to see uh, in today's game and next series against the D-backs if he does earn that playing time. But that's it for the Saturday game, guys. Now we're going to talk about the Friday game after just one little quick thing. One little quick thing, guys. I got to talk to you about something very important. Let me tell you. You know what they're called? They're called Built Bars, ladies and gentlemen. They're the best things in the world. How many times have I told you this? I mean, I mean, for, for God's sake. Let me tell you. I mean, let me tell you. These things are important. But guess what? The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite Built Bar or Puff, and now is your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'll be rooting for Cherry Barcia. You know what I mean? And if you want to, I don't know, the Padres to win, then you'll be voting for that bar. Yeah, that's right. I'm associating the Padres' success with Cherry Barcia. So go out and vote, guys. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puffed, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky lockdown listeners will get a free, that's right, free box of Bill. All you got to do is vote. It's awesome. And not only that, but one lockdown fan will win a 12-month subscription to Bill to have Bill's best bars or puffs delivered months, monthly, I'm sorry, months monthly straight to your door so check that out guys all you got to do is vote in a silly little old bracket because we're in march madness well we're in april madness now but still that's what you do and like i said many many times on this pod 100 covered in chocolate soft and easy to chew and they got all sorts of different flavors and the macros are really great as well so go check them out guys go vote in the bracket built bar the best protein bar you will ever have and now let's keep it moving guys let's talk about friday's game uh, Friday's game was another loss um, for the Padres. Two straight losses. I did tweet that succession meme that people seem to really enjoy. It's Kendall Kendall Roy being like, are you are, are you, you effing for real? And uh, I don't know why. It's just everything that, that comes out of that dude's mouth is so freaking funny. Uh, if anybody's seen that show, I'm don't DM me about anything from season four or season three. I'm on season three, episode three, but hilarious show. Um, in this game, Kyle Freeland becomes God. Uh, six innings, three hits, Zero earned runs, 
one walk, one K. That's right. One strikeout, and the Padres only mustered one run in this game. He also went Cabrian Hayes at one point, uh, taking a slow dribbler, I believe from Austin Nola, my boy apparently, uh, and just jumping around like a Jeter-esque turnaround throw. It was ridiculous, and he gets him at first base. It was literally a highlight all over the place. I'm like, what is going on to start this season? It's actually kind of funny. The Colorado Rockies are just becoming the best show on turf, apparently. <laughs> it was really funny. I was laughing. I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm. But more importantly in this game uh, that we have to talk about, and they brought it up actually at one point after he did it, but um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, Charlie Blackman hits a home run in this game. I forgot to mention in Saturday's game that CJ Crone hit another one, and they mentioned in Saturday's game that ever uh, the last 24 games against the Padres, CJ Crone is batting 407. It's like not just a... If you're wondering if this is just a weird feeling thing, no, it's supported by data. Like, he's just been raking against the Padres for, like, the last year or so, basically. So, he was unbelievable there. Charlie Blackman ends up hitting a home run in this game. There's a single in this game. There's a fielder's choice hit by Ryan McMahon in the first inning. Um, Troubling defense, uh, defensive stuff, is basically the only takeaway I have from this game. Uh, Martinez wasn't that bad, to be honest with you. Seven innings, though. He did get at least the innings in there. Did strike out five. He did walk two um, and give up four earned runs, but I don't know how much of that was earned necessarily. It was weird. There was one point in this game when uh, a ball was hit right to Manny Machado to get them out of the inning to start things off, and he throws it to second base, and instead Xander Bogarts is there when it was probably Kim's ball. Not probably. It is Kim's ball. That's how that works. And he's there and kind of gets caught flat-footed and nearly gets taken out by the runner. That could have ended a lot poorly. Um, but So they counted that as a fielder's choice when it really should have... It's like a weird thing. Like, that run counts against Martinez, but that was a potential double play ball, so I feel a little bit bad. So, really, he only, in my opinion, gave up, like, two runs um, with that Charlie Blackman home run. So, that's how I viewed it, right? I thought he looked fine throughout the game. Usual Nick Martinez stuff, nibbling at the edges, trying to get guys to chase, and then every now and then some put-away stuff with the changeup. So, he was he was fine. I, 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 did, I thought he was great, in, in all honesty, especially for his role, and especially for a role that I hope sometimes is in the bullpen where he has a near two-run difference in his ERA when he's in the bullpen as opposed to a starter. But still, I'm not hating. just think that it would be awesome if they if they find themselves in a position where they can put him in the bullpen because then it's like, oh, my God, we're going to just be a nightmare for teams. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that was a little bit weird. It was, it was a weird play. Kim should have been getting that ball and said it was Bogarts. Again, I do have some questions about Bogarts' defense, but weird dumb play. Don't attribute that run uh, to Nick Martinez, in my opinion. They should have been out of that inning. Um and yeah, basically in this game, there's a lot of frustrating moments. You know, every time it felt like the top of the lineup was going to get things going, they didn't. And really, it's just been Xander Bogarts in terms of like the main star so far. You know, you've had stuff from Grisham. You had a great game from Hassan Kim in this one, if I'm not mistaken. Let me make sure I can confirm that. Yeah, he has two doubles in this one, going three for three uh, in this game. Uh, Hassan Kim off to a blazing start with a 571 batting average, I believe, if I got that correct, uh, which is great. Um, two extra base hits. Um, he's drawn a couple walks or one walk. Nice to see. Look, Kim is the other one. It's Kim and Grisham are basically, in terms of their overall output and like wins and whatnot, like kind of the same sort of player. Like elite defenders who just have to be average offensively. And they've shown that, at least especially in the case of Kim recently, that they can be average. So I'm still excited about that. Um, and also with Kim. Hey, it's his basically second full season. I know he played the first year, but he didn't get a lot of consistent playing time like at all. 
Um, this is his second full season, so maybe he's gotten a little bit better. And Grisham, in fairness, is still super young. So you can at least be excited that those guys, what you saw this weekend, might be a preview of what's to come, which is average fine offense that you can get at the bottom of your lineup, which is great because you have four MVPs at the top. They just need to act like MVPs. We have not got that for Manny and Soto yet. I imagine it's going to come soon um, as soon as they stop pressing and as soon as we Soto works out whatever weird like funk he's in a little bit. That's basically it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of all there is to report on this game for the most part. Uh, not much. Bullpen was solid. Tim Hill comes in, gets a couple outs. Um, yeah, I mean, not much to say here. It's it's very weird. It's very weird seeing Kyle Freeland shut down the Padres on a Friday night, uh, for sure. I know that people were thinking of booing and all that stuff, and I get it. There was a frustrating part at one point when you, know, you get a, a Xander Bogarts. He gets on base, and then... Juan Soto pops up on like the first pitch and then Manny grounds into a double play. It was just that kind of weekend series where it was just at some points they looked like the Padres were supposed to see and at other points they didn't. Um, but that's what happens opening week, right? It's 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 fun and I just suggest to everybody just kind of laugh at it, enjoy it. We're not playing even the teams we hate yet, right? Like we're not playing, we're not even playing like a Philadelphia team. You know what I mean? We're not even playing that. We haven't played the Dodgers. Dodgers. We're going to be playing the D-backs uh, upcoming. And then after that, if I'm not mistaken, they play the Braves. So that'll be like the first like fun, like high competitive series of the season for the team so far. It's a four-game four set, actually. My gosh. Ooh, I am, I am hiccuping. My lord. Uh, four-game series starting Thursday against Atlanta. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, and I believe the first starter is probably projected to be um, or not, not, I'm, I'm sorry, not first starter, but we're probably going to see our first appearance of you Darvish at some point, maybe in this, these next two games, I'm wondering where he is. I'm a little bit confused. I guess he's just working through some things right now. Um, but tomorrow's starter, I should say today's starter is Ryan Weathers. Very curious to see how that goes. Um, we're not going to be recapping it on tomorrow's episode because tomorrow I want to talk about Mr. Jacob Cronenworth, uh, and his extension and what it means for the team. And then Wednesday might be a pod with my buddy Ryland Styles, and maybe we'll talk about the the start by Ryan Weathers on that one. If not, then we'll recap the D-back series in the first game, hopefully, of the um, Brave series, I think, on Thursday, if that works out. Or it's just going to be Thursday will be a recap of the, the and both D-backs games. That might be what we're looking at. So whatever. Uh, should be fun. Looking forward to it. And that's really all I have to say. Look, it was a fun series. I I, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. It's really great to see the team back, and it's great to see to get immediate uh, satisfaction from Xander Bogarts. And I'm hoping that this Padres pitching um, can also maintain itself. I, I think that's a big question for a lot of people, but the Lugo thing is encouraging. And like I said, Martinez wasn't that bad. They didn't count it as an error that happened there, but they should have been out of that inning. You know, so if you keep that in mind. Basically, every Padres starter went pretty deep into games and didn't give up too many runs. Four in the case of Michael Waka, but hey, going six innings and getting only allowing four from Waka, that's that's not too bad, especially for a guy that's like your four or five. Not too bad, guys. Not too shabby. The sky is not falling. The one thing I will say, as uh, Stephen Woods of the Ben and Woods Show pointed out on Twitter, that it is hilarious hearing the Dodgers like commentators think that they have the right to take a little tiny jabs where they were like, oh, well, that's why they play the games, right? Referring to the Rockies getting, you know, just absolutely busting the doors down from the Padres in those first two games. I'm like, all right, look, look, here's the thing. I don't want to hear that from the Dodgers because the Padres guys, they haven't said anything. They're just excited. They're like, hey, yeah, the fans really showed up. That's all they've said. They haven't gone out 
Well, I mean, in fairness, I think Melvin did go out and basically guarantee a World Series. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That was Dave Roberts last year. That's right. And then what happened? We beat them. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep keep crying. Hey, I know it's a new water bottle if you watch my uh, the YouTube version of the show. It's a One Piece thing, by the way, if you see. It's very colorful, very cool. That's what the skull guy is. My boy, Brooke. Um, never forget Monkey D. Luffy, future king of the pirates. Um, but don't worry. I'm still filling it up with the Dodger fan tears. Uh, and I've already got some new ones from the announcers this time. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, guys, that basically about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You know, wherever you get them from. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friday Faithful homies, take care. Come on, come on.